So if we haven't met, my name's Mike uh, of the Smith clan, and uh, I am privileged to be the campus pastor here, and we've been going through a series called God, I Have a Question, because to kick off our new campus, we wanted to have a time where we could ask some pretty honest questions about what we believe and why we believe it. Um, a lot of faiths, they tell you not to ask questions because a lot of them are scared of the answers, or they're scared to say, I don't know. And we're not. It's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, I'm still learning. It's okay to say, I'm still on the journey. But we want to make sure that we don't avoid asking questions because God can't handle it. He can handle your questions. And so what we've done is, over the last couple of weeks, you can go back and listen to our messages. But the first thing we discussed was, did Jesus really raise from the dead? And I, I, I personally feel like uh, we gave a pretty good explanation as to why we believe Jesus really did rise from the dead. And if he did rise from the dead, it changes everything else we believe. The following week we talked about um, is, what if I'm spiritual but not religious? New category of religion. What if I'm spiritual but I'm not religious? What it means to say, I don't want to belong to a church, but I want a savior. And, and we talked about what it means to belong to the local body and how important it is to take a chance and, and trust and be a part of Jesus' church. And then uh, I got the weeks out of order. And then last, the two weeks ago, we talked about what happens when suffering comes. If God's good, why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen? If, if we believe in an omniscient God, why does he allow hard things to happen? That was a hard message for anybody who was here. Nobody in this life can escape suffering. And sometimes we go, God, why are we suffering the way we're suffering? And sometimes we just have to say, God, I'm going to trust you and I don't fully understand. Today we're going to ask the, 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 the second to last question. This one is called, why are there so many religions? Uh, I want to, by raise of hands... I want you to raise your hand if you've ever belonged to a different religion or if you've been non-religious at some point in your life. I want you to raise your hand if at some point in your life you've had a shift from either non-religion to religion or, and there's no trick, I'm not playing a trick question on the word religion. So really, any belief system, I went from no belief system to a belief system, or if I went from one belief system to another belief system, raise your hand for me. Okay, many of us, many of us have been in a place where you've made a decision to change a belief system. I want to go over a couple um, statistics with you so you can kind of understand why we pose this question. Um, according to Pew Research, there are 84, 84% of the world population belong to a religion or a belief system. 84%. And much of the 16% you see at the bottom that is unaffiliated is in the Western world, which is us. Uh, much of the, the upper class of the world are often make up, most, a lot of us are the ones that make up the 16%. But a majority of the world belongs to some sort of faith system. The religious aspect is a major part of the human experience. If you could stand back and look at humanity as a whole, you could never get away from the fact that they have chosen to act religiously in some regard. That is a major part of the human experience. Now, there's five major religions, or belief systems, we'll call them, and almost all of the other ones kind of fall into these five. There are some folk religions and new religions and, and stuff like that, but most faith systems fall into five religions, and you've heard of them all. Hinduism, that's probably the oldest. We don't know how old it is. 
Buddhism, it's probably the second oldest. We don't know how old that one is either. Um, Judaism, which is uh, the God of Abraham all the way up until present day. Islam, which is a different God of Abraham. I don't know what else to call that. It starts with Abraham, but it's not us. Islam, and then Christianity. Those are the five basic Christian belief systems. Now, within those five, there are 4,200 different religions. 4,200. 4,200 distinct and different religions. So when I say Christianity, when we're talking about Christianity, that's every single faith or religion or belief system that is that believes that Jesus is the Son of God in some shape, way, form. Everybody who believes in Jesus falls under the Christian category, which means according to world religion, LDS, Roman Catholic, Jehovah's Witness, Protestant, Baptist, all of them fit under the belief system of Christianity because they believe that Jesus Christ is some way, shape, or form the Son of God. Does that make sense? Now, within Christianity, there are 33,000 Christian denominations, and that was in 2010, and that was the best guess. A Christian college did a, a survey, and they, they studied it, and they said, we're guessing around 33,000, but we don't know because it keeps on multiplying. So 33,000 distinct Christian denominations or organizations. Now, I want you to raise your hand if you belong to one or two or more, if you belong to different Christian organizations in your life. Denominations, I, honestly, you, that means you could just jump church and usually you're jumping denominations. They're just, there's 33,000 of them. Now, many of those 33,000 claim to be the one true church. Some of them don't. You don't go to a Baptist church and they're like, oh, those Protestants are going to hell. We're Baptists. That usually doesn't happen. But there are some lines in the sand with many of those 33,000 where they say, we're the true church and you're not. So this is a very relevant question, because if there's, let's forget about the 33,000. If there's 4,200 distinct and different religions in the world, and most of them believe they're the one true way to God, gods, deities, whatever, that's a, that, those are some pretty important dice we're rolling, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say that if there's 42 ways to get to God, and they all on some way, shape, or form, believe that they're the only way, that poses a pretty big question for us. I'm just being honest. See, when I grew up, I was raised under a certain belief system. And, if, and, and I believed that my belief system was right. I believe my belief system was right because my dad told me it was right. And my dad didn't lie to me. That's what I believed for years. But some of my best friends growing up were a part of a different belief system. And they believed that their belief system was right because their dad told them and their dads wouldn't lie to them. So here we are in the same classroom talking about our belief systems and ours were all, both of us were completely right. Why? Because dad wouldn't lie to me. And this happens all over the world. But then when you get to a certain age, you start to go, there's a lot of religions out there. My classroom only had a few of them. How do I know if I believe in the right belief system? What I want to do is I want to give you a basic rundown of why I believe religion exists. And we're going to use religion from the perspective of organized humans in worship. Does that make sense? People getting together or in some way, shape, or form trying to get to God. So my, the first blank in your um, bulletins, 
is I believe religion is humanity's best effort to understand or get to God. But we all agree with that. And I really mean, I'm not even being sarcastic, I believe it's the best effort we have. You know, King Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he said that eternity, God had placed eternity in the heart of humankind. Which means it's written inside of us that there's something more out there. I believe that we, last week we talked about being spiritual but not religious. And the purpose of that was to kind of lay a groundwork that most people, part of the human experience is recognizing there's something else out there. And since the beginning of time, people have come to some sort of understanding or belief that there's more than I can see or feel. We're going to call that God. We're going to call that energy. We're going to call that nature. But most people say there's more out there. And naturally, as a human being, recognizing our limitations, we say, how do I get to that? Whatever that is. Or, or we try and say, how do I understand that? It's not hard to recognize that a major part of the human experience is trying to understand God. That would, that would make sense why there's so many idols today. Why there's so many different forms of worship. Why we, we argue and debate over what it means to follow God. Is everybody in general, they're doing their best effort to try and get to him. The next one is religion is humanity's best response to the beauty and sorrow in this present world. This is one of the reasons I believe, personally, that a lot of people in Western culture, us, us in Europe, why we have stopped the pursuit of God in a lot of ways is because over time we suffer less. I know that sounds weird to say, but in America, we don't suffer the way third world countries do. We don't face famine and hunger and curable disease that's still killing us the way that third world and, and developing worlds do. So naturally, when we stop meeting, when the sorrow stops driving us to God, we, the, the search for a God or religion starts to slow down a bit. But all through history, people have, have not escaped the sorrow and the suffering of, of humanity. There is a very real element of what does this mean? And if you look at religion, religion has often said or kind of posed the question, what do I have to do to make God happy so that he would stop doing this? You know, a, a kind of a silly example, but it's totally real, is there's a tribes around the world used to sacrifice virgins. We all know that, right? Good, you all know it now. Tribes around the world used to sacrifice virgins because the God was mad. And so they would have to appease or make happy God. And the only thing that could make him happy was killing a virgin. You know, tribes, you look at the, the Mayan and the Aztec tribes, they would do ritual sacrifices. Why would they do them? Why would they kill somebody in their tribe? Well, because God was mad, and the earthquake, is, or the volcano is starting to smoke a little bit. Well, we don't want the volcano to erupt, so throw a virgin in it. <laughs> Makes total sense, right? God's mad. Make him not mad anymore. It's going to take one of you to do that, so for the sake of community... We don't want the volcano to erupt, right? Well, this happened all through history. And it's based on that idea that the pain that we're suffering is because God's mad at us. is because God's disappointed with us. And if he's disappointed with us, we need to do something to make him not mad at us anymore. So we created religion. And we said, oh, if we throw one of these in, God's not going to be mad anymore. We do it today, too. Just throwing that out there. Party really hard on Saturday night. 
so you tithe a little bit more on Sunday morning. You know what I mean? You're like, hey, God, this, this extra 20 is for last night. Okay? We still believe in it. It's our best effort to try. And then the second one is beauty. It's not hard to see the unexplainable beauty in this world and attribute it to somebody, to attribute it to something, which is why mankind, humankind, has done its best effort to explain it through religion. The last one, oh, and this isn't the end of the message. <laughs> religion is humanity's best answer for the afterlife. Since the beginning of humankind, humankind has died. You can't escape the reality of death. In the Western culture, we've postponed it as long as possible. But through much of the world, watching people live and die was a very normal thing. You know, even if you just look at how many women died during childbirth all the way up until 150 years ago. Death is a very real thing for everybody. Nowadays, you can get all the way through high school and have never known anybody to die. I didn't know anybody who had died until my brother died when I was in high school. I don't think I'd ever even been to a funeral. It wasn't a reality of my life, but for much of history, death was a very real reality of our lives. And it brings up that question, are they still somewhere? Did they go somewhere? Yeah, their heart stopped beating and their body died, but is their soul alive? That's where we get the idea of ghosts walking among us. That's where we get a lot of the ideas is a lot of people say there's got to be something after this life. And so religion helped put a framework together to say this is why this, we believe this so that when somebody dies, we can have hope. We believe this so that we know that that person isn't gone, but they've been reincarnated. They've, they've gone into something else. We believe this so that we know that their energy is still here among us. Because you can't live a life without being affected by death. So naturally, and I'm using this, I think it's humanity's best answer. Religion puts a framework to where we can ask the question, what happens next? So what I want to do is I want to show you, this is, I call this my basic guide to world religion. You can just throw it up there, Eric. Um, this is Mike Smith's basic guide to world religion. And then we'll approach the question you guys all want to know is why are we different? I'm not just going to explain religion and be like, make your best decision, good luck. <laughs> Here's Mike's basic guide to world religion. I believe that each religion has a peak or an ultimate destination. Each religion has a peak or an ultimate destination. I like to think of it like a mountain. A lot of religions think of it like a mountain. That's why I picked it up. As if like the peak is, let's say in Judaism, it's, it's Eden or it's heaven or if it's being with God. In Hinduism, the peak is reincarnation. In Buddhism, it's nirvana. It's enlightenment. You have a place you want to get to in religion. What was the one I missed? Islam, paradise. In Islam, it's paradise. The suffering of this world is going to end, but first you have to get to that place. Almost every major world religion has a destination you're trying to get to. Can we all agree with that? The next thing is, each religion has a path to that destination, meaning no other trails or these other trails might lead you astray, but this particular trail is the only one that can get to that destination. And so we're trying to find that path that's going to get us to that peak. Does that make sense? In, in um, Hinduism, it's, it's karma. In Judaism, it's observing the law of Moses. It's prayer and study. 
in Islam, it's obeying the five pillars of Islam via prayer, prayer faith, and works. Um, in Buddhism, it's understanding the key truths of enlightenment. There's a path that you must walk if you want to get to the destination. Makes sense, right? Each religion has a path. And then the last one is each religion requires a level of perseverance to complete the path. It's not simple enough to say I'm going to walk the path to get to that destination. Uh, I think of it, it was like if you're, going to, if you're going to hike one of the top peaks in the world, you can't just decide on a Saturday you're going to hike it. You have to prepare yourself. And almost every religion has some level of discipline or perseverance in order to achieve the goal of walking and, and traversing the trail and the path in order to get to the peak. This is a basic view of world religion. It, it, it differs in specifics. Each religion, perseverance means something different. Islam probably has the highest view of perseverance, which ultimately requires your death in so many forms. But each one of them has a different level of perseverance. Each one of them has a different path. And each one of them has an ultimate destination. Some of the destinations is like a, a heaven. Some of the destinations is that deity. You get to achieve that deity, that form of deity. But you can take, kind of take this basic guide and you can kind of stamp that on most religions in the world. You can kind of just go, boom, there it is. But then it makes you ask the very next obvious question because we're sitting in a Christian church. If you're not asking this question, I'm going to make you ask that question. We're sitting in a Christian church, and it makes you ask the very next question, how is Jesus' church different? Because if Jesus' church just fits right onto that map of the peak, the path, and the perseverance, well then, from a very logical standpoint, we might just be choosing the most convenient religion for us. I mean, I, as a thinker, that's where my mind goes. Well, we're probably just choosing the most realistic one for us, depending on what continent you were born in. I want to show you how Jesus' church and this, that basic guide to world religion was never God's plan. And why Jesus' church does stand apart from every other major world religion. Because if you're going to choose to pursue God the way world religion tells you to pursue God, it doesn't matter which path you take. You can choose any one of them. Because that was never God's plan. It was never God's plan for us to have a peak that we, couldn't, that we could hike and get to on our own. It was never God's plan for you to have a path that you could, if you just tried really, really hard, you could traverse that path on your own. That was never God's plan. What I want to show you, religion is rooted in what I can do. Jesus' church is rooted in what God has done. This is the first thing that sets Jesus' church apart from every other major world religion. Now, I'm calling it Jesus' church simply because in this context, Christianity means so many different things. There are many, many sects, or S-E-C-T-S, by the way, sects, and first time we said sex from the stage, S-E-C-T-S. There are many different branches of Christianity that do not believe in Jesus' message. There are many different branches of Christianity that have taken the story of Jesus and they've pinned it right to the basic guide to world religion. So that's why I'm calling this Jesus' church rather than Christianity, because not every Christian church believes this. And remember, 33,000 different Christian denominations and organizations. Many of them believe this, but many do not. See, world religion 
is rooted in what I can do. What can I do to get to God? This is based on our own merit. It's based on our own perseverance. It's based on what I can bring to the table. See, merit says, what do you deserve? What, do, what, do, what does God owe me? Merit says, if I work for it, somebody has to pay me. How many of you have a job? You get this. If I did the work, you owe me. Most world religions work as a transaction with God. Where we say, God, I did my part. I tithed, sometimes. I went to church. I tried not to cuss. I, I tried, I tried, I tried, I didn't, I didn't, I did, I did, I did. And ultimately what you're hoping is one day God's going to cash out. And he's going to say, okay, God, where do I stand? Am I in debt? Or do I have money in the bank? We believe most world religions work as a transaction with God. Where one day he's going to he's going to collect all the debt and say, where do you stand? Where do you stand? Do your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds? But here's the problem with that. The book of Romans tells us very clearly, as, as the apostle Paul tries to explain the gospel, he says that it is because of God's mercy that you have access to God. In fact, and I have the verse up on the stage in Romans 5.8. It says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in debt, no questions, broken, in debt, you have nothing to bring to the table because we are in sin. Bible says that we were born into sin. Bible says that we have a sin problem. And Romans, the Paul's letter to the Romans shows us that God demonstrated his love and his mercy towards us while we were in sin. He didn't wait until we were able to cash out. Because the truth is, there's no transactions with God. We are, our, we are the only faith on this planet where we are not trying to get to our peak or our destination by our works. Every other, every other religion in the world says, God, I did my best. How'd I do? Oh, I did one too many bad things. Well, tough break. Maybe next time. See, we, we, we serve a God who, in his mercy, he's given a whole bunch of broken sinners who could bring nothing good to the table, access to his kingdom. Where he's given a whole bunch of sinners access to his love. See, in world religion, we're trying our very absolute best, working our hardest to get to the peak. Christianity is different because in Jesus' church, God came down and picked us up. God came down and took us to the peak. God knew that we would never, ever, ever make it to that destination on our own. So he did it for us. Christianity or Jesus' church is not about what I can bring to the table, about what I can do. It's about trusting in what God's already done. Jesus, or religion is concerned with knowing the right path. Jesus' church is, no, is, is concerned with knowing the right person. 4,200 different paths exist with humanity. And the human, part of the human experience is finding the right path for you. But there's only one right path. And the best part is it's not, I'm going to wait for you at the destination kind of a path, but I'm going to walk with you on the journey. See, most religions believe that their deity or their God is waiting for them at the finish line, cheering them on. 
Christianity, Jesus, I keep doing it, sorry. Jesus' church. Jesus' church is the only faith where the deity came down to us. He paid the price for our sins so that we could have access to his destination. And then he didn't say, meet me at the finish line. He joined us on the journey. And he walked with us. No other faith on this planet has a deity that joined us on the journey. No other faith on this planet. If, if, if your faith system, if your Christianity, if you're searching it out, whatever it is, if it is anchored in the fact that God is around the corner or at the finish line waiting for you, you're missing it. You're missing it. Our faith is built on the fact that our Lord came down and he said, follow me. I'm not telling you to walk the path and I'll wait for you at the end. I'm going to be right with you through the journey. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Every other world religion says, do your best. Stay on the path. Don't stray. If you make a mistake, God's mad at you. If you do good, God's happy. But stay on the path, and I'll be waiting for you at the destination. Christianity is the only faith. Oh, my gosh, I keep doing it. I need a buzzer. I need someone to shock me every time I do it. Jesus' church. Jesus' church is the only faith where God said, you cannot walk that path. You will not be able to accomplish that path. You will not be able to traverse that trail. You must follow me, and I'll show you. And that's why as believers, and we're going to actually really tackle this next week, we believe that it is not about a, a religion or a, a system of works that we need to accomplish, but it's about knowing and following Jesus. And see, Jesus is right there. He gave us, when he died, he told his disciples, because they were bummed. I'd be bummed if my best friend was dying. And he was like, no, 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 don't mourn because I'm sending my helper to you. And it's going to be even better when he comes. And that helper is the Holy Spirit. And, and it's as if Jesus is dwelling and walking with us and among us. He's showing us how to traverse the path. And he's the strength for us and carrying us when we can't do it on our own. If you've ever looked at religious works and you've been overwhelmed, you're in good company. You're in good company. Because a list of rules... And, and, and the weight that comes with trying to earn God's favor is an unbearable load. And that's why Jesus carried it for us. And world religion, it's going to be all about if you can get the path. Can you find the right path? Jesus is saying, I, the path is me. Just follow me. You're going to make mistakes. Promise. But I prepared for your mistakes. I paid for your mistakes already. I still want you to follow and walk with me. And then the, the third one is religion works for God's approval. Jesus' church works from God's approval. See, this is where I think most religion, this is why I believe there's so many religions in this world, is we often take the circumstances of our lives, the storms of our lives, the trials of our lives, even the joys of our lives, and we attribute it to God's favor of us. Most of you agree with that? When things are going bad, I must have made a mistake and God's mad at me. When things are going good, God must be happy with me. When the sun is shining, it's because I was obedient. When it's raining, it's because I made God mad. 
By the way, I said that to my daughter once. Don't ever say that to your daughter. She asked me why it was raining. I said, maybe you hurt God's feelings. Don't ever say stuff like that to a six-year-old. <laughs> totally joking, but six-year-olds don't understand that concept yet. So, yeah, I ruined my daughter's theology forever. Um, but you know, most people, it's part of our broken, sinful nature as human beings, that part of the, the human experience of religion is trying to get and win God's favor. How do I make God so he's on my side? And we, and we know from the story of Jesus, there's nothing we could have ever done to win God's favor except trust in Jesus Christ. There's nothing else we could have done. See, most religions, they work tirelessly in the hopes that one day God's going to be happy with them. But see, Jesus' church, we get to springboard. Our launch pad is the fact that because of Jesus Christ, God's not angry anymore. Because of Jesus Christ, God's not mad at me anymore. Because of Jesus Christ, I don't have to worry about how God feels about me every day. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is God, you will be saved. You know, you want to win God's affection? Trust in his son. Trust in his son. And you don't ever have to worry again if God's mad at you. You don't have to interpret the storms and trials of this world as God's mad at me or God's happy with me. That's idolatry, folks. You're, this, you're God in that scenario. You want to make God happy? You do good. You want to make God sad? You do bad. That's an idol. That's not God. That's you. Most world religions operate on that basis. And most people work tirelessly their whole lives trying to one day make God happy and pleased with them. There is nothing you could do with your two hands to make God happy in this broken world except trust in Jesus. And then when you trust in Jesus, there's nothing you can do to lose God's favor. I put a couple passages on here because I wanted you to see it in Scripture. We're still in Romans. Romans 8, 28. Um, the Apostle Paul tells us, and this is in the context of suffering. He says, And we know that in all things God works for good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. Which means when the trials we face in life, when the storms come, when the good and the bad happens in our lives, we serve a good God who doesn't have a bad side. And even though it feels from the, from the persecution or from the trials of life that God is upset with me, you can remember that he's working those things for good. He continues further in that passage in verse 37. He says, In all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor either angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is that passage that's familiar. We're more than conquerors. When the trials of life come, they're one of the main reasons world religion exists is because people are saying, why would you let this happen to me, and how can I make you happy so it stops? And this is Paul telling the church, you are not going to escape the trials of this world, but they do not reflect God's favor in you. They're not going to. No matter what happens in this life, no matter what trials we face, no matter what circumstances and pain and suffering, it does not reflect God's favor of you. He's saying in all these things, you're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. He's saying that nothing in these, none of these trials can separate you from the love of God. The perfect, unchangeable love of God. You see, world religion is going to continually tell us what it takes to win God's favor. 
World religion is going to continually make you feel guilty and shameful for not walking the right path. World religion is going to tell you that you are not doing enough and trying hard enough to get to God. Jesus' church is different because in Jesus' church, God knew you would never make it to my destination or my team because we are broken, we are sinful. His, his kingdom, his home is perfect. So what he did is he said, I'm going to come down to you. I'm going to come down to you. Now, I, we know from scripture that one day Jesus is going to carry us to that destination. But the thing that sets Jesus' church apart from world religion is while the rest of the world is struggling and wrestling and trying to earn the favor of God, we get to rest knowing that we have the unchangeable love of God in our lives through Jesus Christ. And then we get to go and minister to those who are on that same journey. We're surrounded by people who are searching for God. We're surrounded by people who are trying to get to that destination or figure out what the right path is. Or who are beating their bodies into submission so that they can walk and traverse the trail. And see, we get to walk with Jesus here and now. We get to have the Holy Spirit guiding and living and moving through us so that we don't have to wonder if we're going to make it to the peak one day. We can rest knowing that our, our, our hope is secure. And then we get to minister and love and serve those who are on that journey. You are all surrounded by people who are trying so desperately to earn God's favor. Trying so desperately to win God's love. Trying so desperately to make their life count for some religious appeal. When the, the only true religion is to walk and know Jesus Christ. When you go out this week, I want you to pay attention to people's pursuits. I want you to pay attention to their conversations. I want you to listen carefully for people and, and try and get little hints of where their heart is. You'd be surprised how many people think that God is disappointed with them, God is mad at them, God is angry at them. And you might be carrying with you the message that they need to hear. That there is nothing you can do to win that favor outside of Jesus Christ. My last passage, John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. World religion is a thief. World religion says you can earn your way to God. World religion says it's all about you. World religion says that if you do enough good things, you can trade with God one day. That is a thief. World religion still kills and destroys in this world. You see, Jesus came so that we may experience the life we were designed for. We were designed for a relationship with God, not a religion. We were designed to walk with Jesus Christ, to follow and trust Jesus Christ no matter the circumstances. Not wonder and, and, and flip-flop, not knowing where we stand with God. Jesus knows the life that God designed for us. And the only way we can find that is through Jesus Christ. Help others find that life. Help others be set free from the rat race called world religion. Help others start to walk and be transformed into the person of Jesus Christ on their own journey. Help others recognize the true destination, which is Jesus. Once you recognize that destination, nothing else matters. If you don't know that yet, if you still are questioning whether or not you can know God, I really want to challenge you to make sure you're here next week. Because next week we attack the question, can you know God personally? Because if you can't know God personally, everything we believe is worthless.
Because this isn't just a religion. This is a relationship with our God. Let's pray.